Welcome to the Aging Well Podcast. I'm Jeff Armstrong, here with Corbin Bruton. In this and the episodes that follow, we will share candid discussions on aging and hear from the experts. We are here to inform and encourage as we experience, well, aging. Dr. Armstrong, we talk about the importance of resistance training for aging well, but have we ever discussed how to just add pure muscle mass? You mean hypertrophy training? Yeah, but not so much the concentric portion of resistance training, more of the role of eccentric contraction. Remind the listener what you mean by concentric and eccentric. Well, the concentric is the portion of lift when the muscle is shortened. When one is raising the weight, this is often referred to as the positive phase of the lift. The eccentric contraction occurs when the muscle is lengthening against the resistance, the negative phase of the lift. I believe we discussed this in a few episodes, in particular episode 66, the three-second workout. In a 2019 paper in the Journal of Applied Physiology titled Stimuli and Sensors that Initiate Skeletal Muscle Hypertrophy Following Resistance Exercise, by Waker Edge and others essentially declare that tension is king when it comes to hypertrophy training and gaining muscle. What I mean by that is tension creates a biomechanical signaling cascade that reacts within the body and causes it to grow. Yes, the article you referenced states that mechanical signals are the prime hypertrophy stimuli candidates and a Filamin C BAG3 dependent regulation of mTOR C1, hippo, and autophagy signaling is a plausible, albeit still incompletely characterized, hypertrophy sensor. Uh, the researchers also suggest that mechanosensing mechanisms related to exercise induced muscle damage, while not essential for hypertrophy, may augment a hypertrophic response. And researchers also discuss a role of metabolites as hypertrophy as a hypertrophy stimulus. But the evidence is still poorly characterized. So pretty sciencey way of phrasing that there are mechanical sensors and metabolic sensors that act as stimuli for hypertrophy in the muscle. So metabolites, these are the chemical products of intense muscle contractions. These are the stimuli that are considered in blood flow restriction training? Yes. Uh, And so blood flow restriction training, the whole premise is that we're blocking the blood flow in and out of the muscle during the exercise. And so the metabolites begin to build up. And so at a lower intensity, we can actually trigger the same response that we might get at a much higher intensity, um, heavier weight type of activity. And so it can actually be beneficial for individuals who are injured or trying to limit load on specific joints and whatnot. So I guess the real question is, how do we maximize tension in a muscle to get optimal stimulation and growth to help with aging well? Well, this question needs to consider three things, tempo, range of motion, and intensity. By tempo, what I mean by that is having controlled movement on your negatives or eccentrics. 
Some literature suggests two to four seconds, but in my opinion, I would recommend varying the tempo as part of the periodization plan. What do you mean by periodization plan? Periodization, you should recall from exercise physiology, is where we are varying the characteristics of the training program over the course of the year in order to capitalize on the varying levels of specificity in the training to achieve the broader goal. So it involves you know, a period of time where we're doing kind of more general physical preparedness, preparing the muscle for recoverability and endurance, and then moving more towards strength, power, and in the case of sport, more sport-specific type of training. Uh, for the aging adult, it might just simply be varying the work so that we're getting the most optimal benefit out of the exercise to improve functionality and to be able to age well. So it looks like the research shows that eccentric may be more beneficial than concentric, kind of like Doreen Yates' theory when he was training for the Olympia. Maybe not as extreme, but yes. Uh, remember, although we are discussing how to optimize muscle hypertrophy, it is important to recognize not everyone's goal is to win Mr. Olympia. Now, with that being said, the science behind bodybuilding can indeed be modified and carried forward into an aging population for muscle growth. But to state that eccentric training is more beneficial, well, that can be up to debate. And it's also important to consider the goals of the resistance exercise and to consider sarcoplasmic hypertrophy versus myofibrillar hypertrophy. Do you want to explain a little bit more on that? Sure. So I think we've talked about it in previous episodes, but sarcoplasmic hypertrophy is really what bodybuilders are after. And when we're talking about just simply hypertrophy for hypertrophy's sake, we want the muscle to grow in volume in cross-sectional area. And so sarcoplasmic hypertrophy generally involves an increase in the volume of the muscle with a little bit less kind of compensatory hypertrophy of the contractile protein. So it doesn't necessarily result in greater strength, but a greater physical appearance to the muscle versus myofibular hypertrophy, which is the thickening of the pr protein contractile structures within the muscle that allow for the muscle to generate more force. And so for the aging population, we, we might really want to consider more the myofibular hypertrophy growing a muscle to be stronger and more functional and not be as concerned with the appearance of the muscle. According to Wilk and colleagues, slower movement tempos require decreased external load, yet when paired with a greater time under tension may create an adequate stimulus to induce hypertrophy and strength gains. Faster concentric speeds are often thought to provide a better stimulus for neural adaptations and greater strength gains. But increasing the eccentric time under tension may help promote muscular hypertrophy, indirectly affecting strength without adversely affecting neural adaptations. Yeah, so we're talking about specificity here. And again, it goes back to sarcoplasmic hypertrophy versus myofibular hypertrophy. It goes back to strength versus just simply muscle size. So what are some examples of this style of tempo if someone wants to start their exercise journey? Oh, wow. Where to begin with that? Uh, there 
are so many different tempo variations that we can do depending on the goals of the exercise. You might recall I talked in exercise physiology about training between the asthmatopes, you know, where we're training for more pure speed versus more pure strength. We need to vary up the rate at which we're contracting the muscle. And so when we're looking at varying the tempo, I'll often look at it as you have really the four periods of the lift. You have the eccentric portion where we're lowering, then you have the time for the pause in the bottom position or you know in that kind of state where the muscle is now stretched, and then you have the concentric portion and then the pause between that concentric contraction and the next lowering phase and the next eccentric phase. And so you may have for the eccentric portion, it could be anywhere from two to four seconds, which is the general recommendation, up to as many as you know, 30 seconds or even more. And so we can really go slow, which means if we're going slower, we're going to be using a lighter weight, which may be beneficial for the aging population. But that slow eccentric portion can stimulate muscle damage, which is going to cause muscle growth. How long we pause in the bottom may trigger you know, a stretch reflex if it's very short, or we may actually get a little bit more of an eccentric contraction in that stretch position before going into the concentric contraction. Concentric, the heavier we go, the slower that is going to tend to be, but the slower we go, the less it's affecting power and speed. And so we may want to go anywhere from, you know, about two-second concentric contraction or more, you know, steady kind of lift of the weight to something as explosive as we possibly can. You said there were three considerations. What was the second? Range of motion. And so range of motion, we're generally talking about getting through the most optimal pain-free range of motion for a particular joint. And so that's going to vary by individual. So we have to consider not what is the norm, but what is optimal for our body type, our body configuration, and for the goals of the exercise that we are doing. So I always thought full range of motion was the key to muscle growth. In fact, even in my own routine, I would do a full range of motion for what my body would allow me. But as I dug a little deeper, I came across an article that states that full range of motion might not be the best way for muscle growth. What are your thoughts on that? Some research does state that partial reps can be more effective, but only if they are in a full stretch movement. For example, a squat from the lower portion as the quads are fully stretched can show more benefit than from on the top half. Well, that kind of sounds like full range of motion should, be, should still be critical for growth. Uh, I think the take-home is to feel a stretch within the muscles before contractions to optimize muscle hypertrophy. Is this why you're an advocate for the Zercher squat? Not exactly. Uh, I'm such an advocate for the Zercher squats as the bar rests on your forearms. Not only will it work the core, but it will also work as a counterbalance, allowing you to get even more depth in the squat itself. Uh, this not only helps with muscle hypertrophy, but it can also help to protect the spine. 
which as we know is super critical for aging well. Yes, as you recall, most knee and ankle injuries result from weaknesses in the hips. So utilizing an exercise that not only helps with hip mobility, but also assisting other joints can be extremely beneficial as we get closer to our fourth age. I would also like to add that if any of our listeners are experiencing pain or discomfort in their joints by performing the exercises, I would recommend doing a modified version of the exercise by working on flexibility and mobility deficits to allow you to reach a deeper stretch. So perfect form always? Well, ideally. We don't want to be cheating. But the perfect form, to put quotes around that, is going to be based off of the body type and the amount of weight that you're doing. So would you recommend limiting momentum like with ego lifting? I'm definitely talking about avoiding ego lifting, but I'm not necessarily saying to limit momentum. It's all about specificity. There is a place for momentum in lifting, and it goes back to tempo. Fred Hatfield coined this as compensatory acceleration training, and this might be something for another episode of the Aging Well podcast. But if the objective is to target the desired muscle to grow, slow is the way to go. To develop power in the muscle, to develop speed, we have to vary the tempo. What about effort? I would assume if eccentric movements are critical for growth, at some point you're going to get fatigued faster and fall into muscle failure. I would also assume by doing the adequate recovery, we should in theory see more individuals with some serious gains. But I know a lot of people who go to the gym and look the exact same as they did the years before. Do you think that this is from lack of effort or from people just not hitting that level that level of muscle failure? Well, I mean, there's probably a lot of factors for why people aren't seeing any results as they train. More than likely, it's going to be a lack of progressive overload. Um, in many cases, too, it's it's not really training properly. I mean, but if you are lifting a weight that is heavy enough to cause some level of fatigue. It doesn't have to go to full muscle failure. Um, In fact, I think there's a lot of literature out there that indicates that there's not as much need to go to full muscle failure. But as long as you are training within what we refer to as minimum effective volume of training and your maximum recoverable volume and you're getting adequate recovery and nutrition and so on you should be seeing some level of change in the body and it might not be getting bigger and bigger so we can't always look at the person in the gym and say gee they haven't changed in years they're obviously not working hard enough or they're not getting stronger it just may be that those individuals are less responsive to the exercise than others Um, and it could be that they're training you know, poorly or incorrectly or not maybe doing enough of the right exercises. So there's a lot of considerations in there when it comes to effort. But effort is the third consideration, and by that I mean intensity. Well, how hard is hard enough? What should be a goal for someone to train for aging well while optimizing their muscle growth? Well, according to a 2022 systematic review by Rafalo and others, quote, There is no evidence to support that resistance training performed to momentary muscular failure is superior to non-failure resistance training for muscle hypertrophy. 
All right. So summarize that in in Dr. Armstrong's words. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty simple that we don't have to beat the crap out of the muscle every workout in order to see growth. In fact, I think for the aging population, getting closer to muscle failure, and we'll often refer to that as sometimes um, repetitions in the hole or in the tank. Um, so maybe go five sets where you have a couple repetitions where you could do a couple repetitions more of that exercise, but the volume that you are doing and, you know, again, like you mentioned, the time under tension, that is sufficient for stimulus for muscle hypertrophy. And so the literature is starting to lean toward we don't have to beat the muscle up all the time. And from my perspective, I think more frequent muscle that is triggering that stimulus to grow is going to be more effective than less frequent muscle failure or exercise to muscle failure. And obviously, we can't forget about a key factor in adding muscle would be the recovery period. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, recovery is very crucial. And again, recovery does not have to be two to three days. It can be within a day. It can be, you know, we, we talk recovery between sets. We talk about recovery between days, between weeks of training. And so there's a lot of factors to consider when we look at recovery. And if you can train one day or in one workout session, come to the next workout session and are able to do the intended loads that you have prepared to do, then you are recovered. When we start seeing a decrease in performance and excess fatigue between exercise sessions and things like that, then we have to consider that maybe we are training too intensely or too frequently and we need to kind of back off from that but that being said when we talk about periodization one thing that i generally recommend in periodization is ramping up that exercise from that minimum effective volume to a maximum recoverable volume maybe exceeding that maximum recoverable volume to where you're going to need to take a little bit of a deload week where you back off now and you your body is ramped up to be able to adapt to the stimulus because you have put such a load on it that that decreased stimulus is going to be enough for the muscle to recover but also see a sufficient recovery and adaptation to that stimulus does that make sense totally totally i hope it makes sense to our listener so in conclusion in order for someone to increase muscle growth by maximizing muscle hypertrophy, an individual should be focusing on tempo, optimizing as much time under tension as possible. I would say that a good, easy way to do that is to explode with the concentric movement and then go slow and control on the eccentric. I think it's important to recognize that a full range of motion is ideal, but not always critical. The important portion is feeling the stretch and the muscle before the concentric contraction begins. And more importantly, check your ego at the door. As cool as it is for all of us to lift as much heavy weight as possible, there should be no excuse to sacrifice form when the goal should be to activate and stimulate the desired muscle growth. So stop cheating yourself. Doing all these in a combination of rest and proper nutrition, not only should you see results in muscle gains, but it will also help you to age well. Age well. 
Thank you for listening. I hope you benefited from today's podcast. And until next time, keep aging well.